Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is Josh McEwen, the singer, the frontman, the absolutely awesome all-round dude from the band Palm Reader. They've just released their brand new album, Sleepless, and honestly, it's just top deftones for me for album of the year, and I don't say that lightly. From start to finish, it's an absolute masterpiece. I can't believe I've had to wait this long to hear this album, but the wait was worth it. It's absolutely astounding, and if you love bands like Black Peaks and Deftones, you're going to absolutely love Palm Reader, so I urge you all to go out there Check this band out, and honestly, you will not be disappointed. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, I like to touch base and talk about the last episode. It was the fifth and final part of my Voice Behind the Artist specials. I was joined by one of my favourite artists there is, Paul Shipper, and the response was phenomenal. It was that good, I've decided to do a whole second season, which includes another five interviews with five different artists around the country, because the response was amazing. We've had some amazing prizes to give away, and to see the response online was amazing. So a thank you to all those people that have taken the time to listen and share it on their social media. It makes a huge difference and it's just been so, so good to see all these different artists getting involved, and I can't wait to give you another five of them. But let's talk about today. Like I said, I'm joined by Josh from Palm Reader. This band have had such an impact on me and I think the best thing to do right now is get straight to the interview. So here's me and Josh talking all things music. Josh, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. What I want to do is take it back to the start, really. Um, not even before the band started, but before that and know what were those kind of first CDs that you bought that you remember kind of helped shape the music that you love now oh wow um to be fair i'd say before i bought anything of my own i was brought up i was brought up listening to um it was mainly my dad's taste in music to be fair which was sort of centered around uh motown soul and funk that kind of nice music of that ilk yeah um with some R and B thrown in there, I'm sure. Some, I don't know, but you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. That, yeah. that that kind of stuff. And then it was probably when I got to I, just, I, one of the first. I think one of the first, one of the first memories I had was being in a playground and talking to someone about a Papa Roach song. Oh, nice! And that was, but that was before I'd really, I really knew what distorted electric guitars were. Yeah. Uh, why anyone would shout. <laughs> or why why music needs to be that aggressive um and then it kind of it snowballed from there there's you, you like your green day yeah bits and pieces like that i never i never really went like straight to to metal i think my introduction was more through more through new metal so yeah. uh, i think my the first record i bought was linkin park's hybrid theory not um, a bad foundation to start on no i mean and i still i the the I still I like I've, every now and again I'll listen to the odd track of it and the the vocals on there and the the lyric writing and the melody choices the songwriting is still like I feel like it's still relevant to yeah to me at least so at that point obviously you're starting to get into those sort of metal bands and introduction and stuff 
did this make you at that point want to be in a band or was it not until you went to see kind of live bands that made you get that kind of, oh, fuck, I want to do this? It was kind of around the same time. I think it, it all started for me in terms of thinking about being in bands or playing live music when um, it was my dad's 40th birthday and I would have been 14 or 15. Yeah. And there was, there was me... Uh, two of my cousins and my brother. Um, my two cousins played drums and guitar, uh, and my brother played bass. And they were like, "Oh, we'll we'll play a few songs for Dad's fortieth birthday, but we need a singer, and <laughs> so you're going to have to sing." And I was like, "Well, I've never done that before, so that's not cool. Why are you just throwing me up there and like to the walls, as it were?" Um, and we played two songs. Uh, and it was, uh, it was White Stripes, Seven Nation Army, and The Darkness, I believe, in a thing called Love. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, QBE hadn't hit at that point, so um, I believe in a thing called Love was quite easy. Yeah, you hit those high notes. <laughs> um, I, I've never seen any recordings of it. I don't even know if there are. I would dread to think. <laughs> I can only imagine it was awful, but... It was, it was an introduction into playing live. Um, there was a, a, the drummer of my friend's band was at my dad's birthday, and he said to the members of his band, "Look, I think we should give this guy a, a shout, and maybe he could be the singer." Uh, and that's kind of that was my first band, and that's where it all started, really. And from that point, it kind of just it snowballed, um, and I I kind of I was heavily into the uh, post post hardcore kind of screamo emo sort of stuff um and then eventually moving more into uh metalcore i guess so can you remember some of those first gigs you went to when you got to see some of these bands live that would then kind of show you the difference of listening to it at home on cd to wow this is in front of me being performed yeah, yeah. i mean my first my the first show i went to the first proper show i went to i'd like i'd like to call it aside from like maybe like local band shows and yeah stuff like, that, like battle of the bands and stuff like that it was um first proper show i went to was at yeah the age of 15 i went to see hell is for heroes at electric ballroom on the neon handshake tour i was at that show what, no way yes so I was at the, you know, as you look at the, the stage, there's those st- the stairs on the left. Yeah. Hand. So yeah, I was stood on those stairs. Amazing. That band, were, that album for me is flawless. That and sort of 100 Reasons, that kind of. Yeah, yeah, for Ruben, sure. Ruben, Headers for Heroes, um, 100 Reasons, Cable, all those bands that came along. I was like, fuck, like, Neon Handshake is flawless. Absolutely. It's still one of my, like, top five albums. Yeah. And, like, I, it's a shame, really, because I, it kind of eclipses everything else they've they've done. Yeah, everything after that was just like, oh, it's not quite, you know, I can climb mountains or night vision or anything like. Yeah. I was just always like, ah, oh, it's not there, but they're amazing. <laughs> when they reformed and came back for a tour, I was like, yes, this is amazing. Did you did you see them at Two Thousand Trees when they played? I didn't. No, a couple of years back. Now it was almost. I don't, I don't know if it was, it was probably around the time they were doing that tour. I don't know. Well, they did download the same year and I saw them there. So they came on and did the whole of Neon Handshake. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, I'm 17 yeah, yeah. again or whatever. It's fucking ace. Yeah, me and me and the bassist, um, he was also called Josh. Posh, sorry. He uses, he uses his proper name. We, we were 
arm in arm, slightly inebriated and uh, just pure elation. It was unbelievable. We, I honestly, I've never. That was one of my favorite. Aside from actually seeing it the first time around, yeah. first show it was. That was one of my all-time favorite experiences. So shout out to Two Thousand Trees because that's it was unbelievable. That band, yeah. that show. So then you obviously started the band. Um, it wasn't until 2012 you had your first EP out. Um, can you remember the kind of moment that you thought, this is what I want to do? It's obviously you said there's bands that do sort of battle of the bands and there's bands that are always doing, you know, covers. But when was it that you thought, right, we're actually going to do something different. We're going to be palm reader. We're going to do something. We're going to write our own songs and try and be our own band. Um. Well, like I say, I was I, I sort of I joined my first band at the, the age of probably around six, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, I was in that band for maybe four or five years or so, but it was going through like the whole secondary school, college period, and there was no real seriousness to it. We, I mean, we tried, but it was just one of those things. And that that band split up. Um, I had maybe a year or two outside of that, thinking, okay, cool, I should probably get myself a job think about a career as it were and there's just there was nothing i could think of nothing i wanted to do no no higher education wasn't something for me still isn't really it's just the way my brain works unfortunately um and at at that point i was like well and i think i need to on some level be creating music and be stood in a room making noise with however many other individuals yeah. So I, I slowly over time, it was usually on nights out. To be fair, I'd, I'd be out in um, in the in the town centre in my hometown of Woking with um, with my friends, drinking heavily um, most weekends, if not all the time. Yeah. And uh, I, that's where I met um, Posh and Sam, the guitarist. Um, and we, we basically, we, we all had a very similar outlook. It was whatever's being released at this point in time isn't good enough. It, it, isn't, it isn't ticking quite every single box. Don't get me wrong, we were fans of particular bands and we were enjoying it, but it wasn't quite what we wanted to hear. So that, at that point, we were like, well, maybe we should try and write some songs. Maybe we should try and do like what we feel is exactly what we want to be hearing and it just stemmed from there yeah nice and it it wasn't we we didn't set out with any plan we never have really had any sort of plan we've even up till now even with the with sleepless we're very much still just desperately trying to write the songs that we want to hear yeah that sort of that tick every box that we have sort of thing and that's that's kind of how it started to be fair yeah, and I mean, then obviously it was only a year later you released whatever your debut album. Now, what was the kind of pressure like for yourself? Were you not too hard on yourself? Because obviously a debut album, and I think of bands like Ruben, Race Car is Race Car Backwards, and Biffy Clyro with um, Black and Sky. It's that legacy album that you leave there that people will go back to and kind of always compare. Mm. Did you feel that pressure in a band, or were you just like, fuck it, let's just do what we want to do and hope it goes well? I mean... I don't know if we really saw it that way. I, no. I think even in the back of my mind, I was always thinking about the next one. Yeah. 
thinking like this isn't going to be it we're going to do another one and i mean that first to be fair that first record it started off as an ep yeah um i, th- I think we recorded maybe maybe sort of four five tracks um with steve sears uh yeah with steve sears and uh or maybe like a couple of interludes and we sort of took it back to our management at the time uh and they they sort of said look that this sounds like you're pretty you're about sort of 75 percent on your way to writing an album so do you want to just go away write a few more songs and put an album out so we did uh and in that time our our drummer left uh and we had to try and write an album write the rest of an album and recruit a drummer <laughs> and rehearse it and get and well basically our drummer dan who's still in the band now he joined the band about two to three weeks before we went into the studio to record bad weather no pressure yeah. right you know yeah just nice and easy just nail it mate <laughs> yeah and to be fair to him he did mm. um, and that's why he's still with you now yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that, um, that that first record for me doesn't it doesn't feel like we really had a lot of time. It doesn't feel rushed, but it. I mean, it was, but it doesn't feel it. It it just it it didn't seem like it was really like we aimed for anything. It was no. like, yeah, we've got to put an album out. We should probably write some songs. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. It, it we essentially wrote that album so that we had something to tour with. All we yeah. were ever focused on was touring. We um we didn't really play a lot of shows in our hometown. Um, that we that we didn't really include ourselves in a, in the scene in our hometown either. Yeah. No disrespect to it at all. Like we've never had any bad blood with anyone in Woking or Guildford at all. But we just we just desperately wanted to get out, yeah. go wherever we could, and play as many shows as possible. So writing that first record was just a very good excuse to tour nonstop. And we we did, <laughs> yeah. And obviously, fast forward a few years, and now we're sitting here with just about the release of Sleepless. Um, you guys have grown, you've matured. Your sound is different. I think you've progressed, and you know it takes a lot. Some people you'll hear. I still always see when Biffy Clyro put an update. People are like, "Oh, I prefer your old stuff. I wish you'd be more, you know, playing stuff like Jagged yeah. Snake." And it's like, yeah, but we're not going to be able to headline a festival playing stuff like that, you know, and. Yeah, yeah. You guys have kind of done. I think, like, I put you on the likes of sort of Deftones and Thrice, where you've kind of evolved. Yeah. Um, you're not just releasing the same album, sticking to your roots. I mean, the hardcore roots are still there, but you can hear the progression. And, you know, you get. Every time I Google you or look at you guys, everyone always says you're like the UK Dillinger Escape Plan. Now. Oh, mate, honestly. You know, that, that for me, <laughs> you must be like, well, let's just retire. You know, if, if someone's saying that, we're done. I just don't, I, I, I can kind of understand where that reference, like our second album for sure, I can really yeah. understand where that reference has come from. But it is like of all the references, that one, that one seems to have stuck. Yeah. <laughs> not I'm not against band. it because I, that band are incredible. Yeah. And I like, it's, I, it's, it's a blessing to be able to be compared to yeah. a band of that stature. It's just un- unbelievable. But I don't, I, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot more to us than that. And there's a lot more to the Dillinger Escape Plan than just like uh, sort of spazzy math core. As yeah, of course. So, now, yeah. I've, I've been lucky enough to um, listen to the album and it, I'm not just saying this because you hear it. It's, it's fucking awesome. You must be really proud of it. 
Thank you, man. I appreciate that. That's nice of you to say so. Yeah, you're, you're proud. You you kind of in that stage where you're listening to it now, still thinking, yep, this is this is what we want to sound like when we go and tour. Now we're going to be putting these songs on stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like we've all we've always sort of said we never want to write the same album twice. And I suppose that is just progression. Yeah, but it's it's a conscious effort to not uh, replicate anything exactly to not stick to any formulas necessarily or yeah um and with this one we've tr- we've we've tried to push it so much so that now i'm i can't well, you can't help but be proud of it i don't think and um, what was the kind of writing process like because was this all prior to lockdown yes yeah, yeah luckily so- you weren't in this situation where you're recording and doing everything over zoom and fucking trying to <laughs> wear masks and record you, you, you did it all prior to this yeah, so we we started writing uh, early early two thousand nineteen, so like maybe March April sort of time. Yeah, I mean we're always sort of fiddling around, but we started focusing on it around April, um, thinking we'll book some time in at the studio. We'll have plenty of time. Everything will be fine, and then. We, we didn't have a lot of time and the pressure and the stress <laughs> mounted and we it's just but we've, we've always done that we've always i think we're quite meticulous with the way that we put things together and the way yeah. that we like to do things so we always end up getting to the end and being like oh bollocks we haven't done that we really need to <laughs> but yeah so we like we spent the majority of 2019 writing it yeah um the end of 2019 was the real uh clincher i suppose it's everything came to a head and then we recorded it january this year luckily with timing then yeah very very good timing we managed to record it get out the studio not think about it for a bit go on tour with employed to serve at the start of march or mid-march for like two weeks and then the world went fucking mental yeah we like the last show of that tour we had to cancel it because of covid but uh, it's unbelievable and then yeah literally everything everything changed <laughs> i'm I'm just i'm very glad that we managed to record it before this all happened what's it like being sat on an album for kind of 10 months it must be difficult because you just well, kind of want to get it out there and just you know you can tease people mm-hmm. with singles and your video and stuff like that but surely you're just like look it's done i'm sitting on it now just oh yeah yeah it, you know yeah it's it's difficult but I, I, to be honest, I'm kind of used to it now. I think every record we've done, maybe aside from Bad Weather, it's hard. I'm struggling to remember, to be honest. But yeah. aside the ones we love, um, for sure, and Braille, there was a massive gap between recording and releasing, like even over a year, I think, one of them maybe. And so you, you kind of get used to just sitting on it. It's not nice because you no. do just like, because people are still judging you on your previous work when you know you've got this fresh offering that you just yeah. kind of want to be like look look at this <laughs> but it was it was it's, it's tough to sit on it but it's worth the wait i think you use that for us or i personally use that frustration that anticipation to fine tune bits and pieces like over lockdown we spent a lot of time figuring out how we wanted to release it if there was anything particularly we wanted to do um artwork especially was yeah 
really focused on. I worked closely with a really good friend of mine, uh, Tom Johnson, uh, to create the the artwork for it. Which I think I've, I've actually got up on the. I could probably show you. Nice. I've got it up. Yeah, framed up on the wall. There. Oh, beautiful! Look at that. He's a wizard with a spray can, is Tom. That is very cool. <laughs> And with the production and everything, when you listen back to it, is there anything that you're kind of, you, you, you said you're proud of the sound and everything, you, you know where you're at now. Now, as a band that's progressed and you've never kind of just played it safe, you've not just gone, let's just do a replica of Braille or something like that, you, you know, you, you've challenged yourself. And that's yeah. the band I love the most. That's why Fry's one of my favourite bands, because they don't just sound like the last album. Radiohead, bands like that. Yeah. Now, yeah. are you happy with your sound now, or are you already, because it's obviously been 10 months, as a band, are you progressing even further now? Are you already thinking about the next stage and how you want to now progress from Sleepless, even though it's not out yet? I mean, I know I am. Yeah. I can't, I can't speak for everyone else. Um, but I, I do know that Andy's only really, in the last sort of few weeks, maybe started writing again. Because he, I, I think he, he puts a lot of pressure on himself. And to be fair to him, he does, yeah. he does, he does a lot in terms of the, the writing. Um, I started writing pretty much immediately afterwards. Yeah. As soon as we hit lockdown, um, I really dug into logic and like I was trying to hone my skills and songwriting and bass guitar and everything and really trying to get that together. So I've I've already got a couple of couple of tracks that I've got a feeling will be on number five. That's cool. Yeah. I, it's, it's an it's an ongoing process all the time and I'm 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 kind of never I don't like to to rest on it too much and, and be too happy because we've done that in the past and it's only bitterness in the ass. You get around to writing, you're like, oh, bollocks, how do I write a song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to sort of push constantly. And as a band, I say this with full respect, you're, you're still kind of an underground band, you know? Um, you're not on the front of Kerrang! and stuff like that, you know? It's not one of those bands, which is a good thing. Um, but it feels on the outside from watching you guys and seeing how you progress that you're kind of on the verge of becoming that big thing. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. It must be hard because you're on the inside, so you probably don't see it. But there's this feeling of the way that you're going now and the way that you're honing in on your sound and the way that you're growing. And I see more and more people now and not like, who? Oh, yeah, Palm Media. You know, the, 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 a lot more people yeah. are aware of your sound and obviously touring with big bands has helped. But does it feel from the inside that you are kind of seeing that now and kind of hoping that you are going to take that big step? Yeah. The, I mean, there's an, it's, it's only ever in the response that you can gauge anything. Yeah. And we've, there is depth. People are definitely a lot more vocal now than they ever were. Yeah. We've always had support, but it's never been anywhere near as vocal. Yeah. Um, I think Braille did a lot. Um, for that we we know that was a definite turning point for us yeah but i think it's one of those things where i mean because we've never we've never really adhered to trends we've only ever written songs that would like i say that we want to hear so i think if you if you're doing that and you're you are sort of throwing curveballs creatively that people aren't necessarily going to be my my whole thing is that if people want to listen to one particular genre, they'll find a band that does that sound, that does that thing for them, and they'll probably just stick to it. That's There's fair. a lot of bands that don't do that, 
and I feel like those are the ones, those are the, the slow burners, like maybe Thrice as well. Yeah. Um, who have developed their sound and twisted and turns, but not through want of following trends, like certain other bands that are on front covers of yeah. wherever. It's, it's a creative thing rather than a give me your attention thing. That's good, man. And one thing I ask all bands, all musicians, even film stars and directors, there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are probably starting out a band or writing songs. And what advice do you give to those guys? Because obviously it's taken you eight years to get to the stage of releasing Sleepless. You've had EPs, albums, toured. It's a long process and it's not an overnight fame or success, is it? And what advice do you give to those people for getting their music heard or getting out there and making a name for themselves? Um, I mean, firstly, I'd say if you want to make money, don't make music. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest for you. I, yeah. Just, but that, that's not to put people off. That's no, just sort of... Reality. Yeah, exactly. That, that, if you have that in your mind and you're not out for the money, then you're out, you're out here for the right reason. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, if you focus on songwriting more than anything else, um, and the art form of expression, then you stand in good stead to, to be happy with what you're doing. And that's, that's important as well. Being happy with what you're doing and being, being focused on what makes you happy, not what makes other people like you. Yeah. That's, that's what I'd say. I'd say, yeah, write the songs that you want to hear. Do, do, do what you want to do. It's worked for you, so it's living proof. Yeah, I guess it has. <laughs> what's, the, what's the kind of hardest thing about being in the band? Is it the touring? Is it the when you are, when obviously we're not now, but when you are out there playing show after show and trying to win crowds over or supporting other bands and trying to you know convert people, is that the challenge or... Is there bits that you find really hard being away from home, or how do you kind of? What's the bits that are a struggle? Um, I don't know. You know, I think because because I've always loved it, and because it's always been such a prominent part of my life, everything's kind of sent, ended up being centered around it. Yeah. So, so my work and everything is always kind of like the band will take priority, and that's that's helped yeah <laughs> I, I don't know yeah it's hard to say but there isn't anything that's a good thing if it's all positive you're loving it you love touring you love playing shows I mean, you love recording i mean don't get me wrong it's not it's not it's not like there's there's um uh, there's no negatives at all but yeah. i don't i don't like to i don't like to think about them too much there's always a silver lining there's yeah. always there's always a positive in there and at the end of the day if if i if i don't like it if, if I hate it that much, then I'll just stop doing it. And this year, obviously... Been... Myself through it, you know, it's a very selfish endeavour. <laughs> and this year's been absolutely fucking shit, let's be completely honest. Um, oh, yeah. I never got to go to 2000 Trees, I was really looking forward to that, and download, and just gigs, you know, I had tickets for Faith No More, and um, it's just that shitter, isn't it? And as a singer of a band you must be just wanting to fucking get out there and play you must be itching yeah oh absolutely i think like i i didn't realize quite how cathartic or how, quite how cathartic singing was yeah and how much it did for me mentally 
until there was it, it's not because i mean we've had breaks from from touring and playing shows before but it's when there's no light at the end of the tunnel yeah there's no there's no sort of end date it's just oh no indefinitely now yeah. you're not playing shows and when you do they're probably not going to be anything like they were it's just like it, i didn't realize how much it was going to affect me and it, it really did but we've i mean we did so what was it maybe two weeks ago now we um we recorded the sleepless album launch live stream yeah um session and that that was amazing yeah for my brain and for everyone else's as well there was i mean the rest of the band you could see that everyone was just so relieved to be doing what they love to do again and the same goes for the the sound guys the the monitor engineer the the cameraman the lighting guy everyone involved was just relieved to be able to to do that thing that they've been wanting to do how it's all missed man i just can't like i've had tickets to bands like black peaks and they just keep rescheduling it cancels and comes yeah. back and cancelled it's like it seems so alien now as we stand standing with thousands of people watching a band it's just insane yeah i, I can't imagine how it's gonna feel to be stood in a crowd again <sighs> I bought like, tickets. Yeah, you know, like well. I've, I've lost the, <laughs> I've yeah. lost the feeling in my mind. I'm like, how, where is? How do I? How do we do that? I know. <laughs> I'm still buying tickets in hope, like Pearl Jam next year and stuff. I'm like, it will happen, but I'm like, will it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I have. I haven't been quite so optimistic. I don't think I haven't. I haven't <laughs> committed no. to any shows just yet. But yeah, I fucking hell, man. What a year. Oh, well. And it's only it's only been one year, yeah. Well, it hasn't, has it? Jesus. No, it's about eight months <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, but like I say, I mean this this the 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 live streams. The, the, I mean, it's the only way that we can do things, right? It's the only yeah, way. Lots, lots of bands are doing it, and I think it's 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 a decent alternative. It, it gives bands also another opportunity to be creative in their outlet and and their and how they how they put themselves out there it's not just like necessarily it. going to be like a live show yeah on stage you know it's like i mean we we purposely went away from that live show element and sort of tried to make things a bit more cinematic and a bit more um moody maybe yeah um so yeah i've i've seen a few other live streams that have been outrageous as well like, yeah i saw biffy claro do one for their new album and it was just yeah. like the most incredible thing i've ever seen i was like wow yeah that band though man i mean they've been at it for yeah almost too long right they deserve, <laughs> they deserve everything like anyone that says oh they fucking sold out and like they did all this like no they they know what they're doing they've toured 300 days a year for about 10 years yeah, yeah exactly right yeah i read an interview once and they were i think I think they said, "Yeah, we play. We play. Yeah, we play like two, two fifty or three hundred plus shows in in one year minimum." And it's just, yeah. like, "Are you mental?" But <laughs> well, now the headlining download, and they're like number one. They're going, "Well, it was worth it." Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't call that selling out. I call no. that working hard. Like it's success. Yeah. Awesome. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today, Josh. Um, it's nice yeah. and relaxed, nice and chilled. Um, I do really wish you all the luck with Sleepless. Um, I keep sitting here thinking the whole world's already heard it, but they haven't. So it's obviously not far now. Yeah, it's really not. It does. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. It, 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I really hope the world changes soon so we can see it live, get mm. touring again. I'll share a beer with you, see you on stage and hear these songs because they're going to come to life on another level and I just can't wait for the world to see it. Yeah, man, I can't wait to play them live. I honestly can't. Like that, the little taster of being able to play them um, on that live stream. It would, I mean, it, it made me realise how difficult they were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how much of a challenge I'd gave myself. Because I really, really made life hard for myself. But um, I can't wait to play them live. It's going to be so good. It will be good. It will be awesome when it happens. It'll be worth the wait. Absolutely. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to have so much whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. He's getting endorsements, so they just keep sending you boxes and boxes of whiskey. Oh, no, don't. Honestly. <laughs> I, I shifted through so many bottles of whiskey on lockdown that first time round. It was mad because the summer's out, so I was like sitting in the garden at 11am going, oh, should I do some gardening or should I open a cider? And then seven, eight cans later, you're like, I'm just going to fucking sit in the garden all day. Yeah, yeah, I was hammered. Yeah, every day. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be weird if I didn't have a beer by midday. I was like, oh, I'm a bit late today. Yeah, wicked though. Mm. So good. It was good. Been a pleasure speaking to you, man. I hope I get to see you at a show in the near future. Yeah, you too, man. It's been good. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Josh from the absolutely awesome Palm Reader. I have said it at the start of today and I'll say it again. You have to go and check out this new album, Sleepless. It's on all the sort of streaming services. Hey, go and buy a vinyl or a CD. Give this band the money they deserve. This is my album of the year. Nothing has topped it. It's absolutely phenomenal from start to finish and you will not regret listening. Please jump on social media and let me know if you do check out this band and how much they change your life because I guarantee they will. Also, a massive thank you to Emma for making this interview happen. You're an absolute legend and I appreciate it so, so much. If you're new to listening to Mark and Me, I urge you to go on markandme.com. On there, there's links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and my email. I'll always take the time to read every single tweet or Facebook comment you leave and I'll always respond. You guys out there make this podcast worth everything it is and it means the absolute world to me. So jump on there, let me know what you think and I really hope you go and then enjoy the back cap of all the different guests that have been on this show. Also I've got a Patreon page. You can sign up there for as little as a pound a month. At the moment you're getting around seven or eight episodes per month, absolutely free. That's never going to change. But the money that you invest on there helps the podcast. It means I can go and do more interviews around the country, stream on all these different services like Amazon Music, Spotify, Podomatic, all of those ones, and just basically get the opportunity to do more and more interviews, which means more and more episodes for you. But not only that, I've been working with some great companies like Funko, Last Exit to Nowhere, and getting some amazing prizes for you guys out there to win. That's all I want to do is give you this opportunity to win prizes that money can't buy. So if you go on there, sign up, it really does make a massive difference. I'll be back in a few days with a brand new episode. So until then, take care and I'll speak to you soon.
frosty and bright Perfect weather to fly Perfect weather to fly Pounding the streets where my father's feet Still ring from the walls we sing in the doorways Or bicker and row Just figuring how we were wired inside Perfect weather to fly Going looking to stray from the line We decided instead we should pull out the thread That was stitching us into this tapestry vile And why wouldn't you try perfect weather to fly We had the drive and time on our hands One little room and the biggest of plans Days were shaping up frosty and bright Perfect weather to fly Perfect weather to fly Out in the streets where my father's feet Still ring from the wall streets Singing the doorways or bicker and row Just figuring how we were wired inside Perfect weather to fly Going, looking to stray from the line We decided instead we should pull out the thread That was stitching us into the tapestry vile And why wouldn't you try?